Queen's Return on Innovation podcast. This podcast is about sharing the success stories and lessons learned from experts and entrepreneurs from Queen's in Eastern Ontario. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode. We are pleased to have Nadia Tatlow with us. Nadia has an Honours Bachelor of Arts degree from Queen's in Political Science. She was captain of the varsity cross-country team and started her career in public relations. Most recently, she is the first CEO of a company called Shift. Shift is described as the desktop app for streamlining your accounts, apps, and workflow. Nadia, welcome. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is uh, fun to reconnect with the Queen's community. The format we use for this podcast is essentially recapping the startup journey so that if an undergrad or grad student or community entrepreneur is thinking of a startup, we can go through the different stages and steps to replay where you took shift from day one through to today. Yeah, sounds good. You did a you did a great job of the elevator pitch. Shift is a desktop app. It streamlines all of your accounts, all of your apps, so email accounts, and then all of the most popular apps that, that you can imagine are, are all supported in Shift. And what we've done is basically taken those and integrated them into the Shift ecosystem to make it all a lot more manageable for our customers. And really, I think it, it stemmed from a few of us at the company managing way too many email accounts, way too many apps, and realizing that by the end of the day at work, we had about a zillion tabs open in our in our browsers. So we really wanted to kind of pull those things out and give you an ecosystem inside of Shift where you could really manage it all with a lot more focus and a lot less distraction. So the burning problem is one you had yourself and you said, hey, maybe let's think of a solution to fix this. You can think of different apps that everybody use. There's no one-size-fits-all solution anymore. Everybody pulls together a tech stack that's a little bit different. Your solution will allow them to sort that out altogether so you don't lose time and context switching and other things that may slow down somebody during their day. So you're giving subscribers a bunch of time back in their day to keep them organized and more productive? Yeah, that's exactly right. So as we all know, um, especially when you're running a company or even managing a team, you're, you're constantly being bombarded with the latest, greatest new app and thinking about ways you can make your team more productive. But I think where we're all at now is, is are just so many options out there and so many great options. And then it, it becomes this newfound battle of basically managing those apps. So like you said, we all use uh, some variation of those things. And so with Shift, really, it's, it's honoring the fact that there is a lot of diversity and apps and tools out there that you could use and that could be a great solution for a company. But with Shift, basically what we do is help you take that out of the browser experience and really organize it in a much more uh, manageable way. So how did the founders meet? In the case of Shift, I understand you were part of a company called Redbrick and then spun out. Is that the way the founding team came together? Yeah, that's right. So I moved to Victoria about eight years ago from Toronto, actually. So I'd gone from being a student at Queen's to a postgrad in Toronto and then working in a marketing agency there um, and really kind of had this, uh, I guess, desire to just make my way out west. And my family had since moved out here. So that was a big draw and convinced my partner to do it with me. So we uh, started applying for jobs and I got a job at a company called Redbrook. Actually, it was called Redbrook Media at the time. And it was super early on in that company. So got to kind of experience that full-on startup mode and and sort of wearing many, many hats at that company. And so between you know 2013 and 2016, worked in a various roles there. 
Uh, and then we came up with the idea for Shift really off the side of our desks. We were interested in diversifying that company. So started working on Shift as a really a side project and, and really kind of testing the waters with it with a very, very small group of us, very much part time. And then at the time I was managing marketing across Redbrick. So really took on the role of owning the brand and the acquisition channels that would eventually be a big, big part of Shift. But you know, really treated it as sort of a, a side project until we could see signal for product market fit. And then we eventually separated out into a business unit and then eventually spun the company out into its own, own full-on uh, company. So describe more of that pathway to getting to the minimum viable product or MVP. A lot of startup curriculums would say that you want to launch with the smallest, tiniest version of your product that delivers value to your customer. Were you able to strike that balance early without building out a big project just to see if you were starting to get towards a place where you could see this would resonate with your users? Yeah, yeah, we did that very, very iteratively. And I think having the the ability to treat it as a side project at the very beginning, really, I took it on full steam, I think, kind of grabbed the bull by the horns thinking, you know, I really want to make this a, a viable product and make this something that we can really that I can spend 100% of my time or more on. So what we did was originally Shift was really a solution for managing multiple email accounts only. So because of the nature of Redbrick at the time and my role at the time, we were constantly kind of iterating on new products. And so managing multiple email accounts, like Nadia at this new idea, Nadia at that new idea, my personal email, et cetera. And I think I had about eight email accounts at the time. So we we started to solve that problem exclusively. And I think having that focus from the very beginning really, really helped. The idea of building a browser for work is really exciting and a huge vision. But I think, you know, especially when you're just kind of rubbing the original two sticks together to build a product, that feels very daunting. So I think approaching it really iteratively from the beginning and solving an acute pain point that we had and that sort of socialized the idea with our friends and family there was that, yep, I've got that problem too. I didn't really realize it was a problem, but I've got that too. So I think kind of realizing that there was that aha moment and just conversationally kept us going early on. Uh, and then and then moving into like true MVP trajectory, I think launching it, really committing to it, committing to the brand, uh, building out the pieces to really make us look like a bigger fish than we were was my sort of MO from, from day one, I think. And so, and then we found places to get it out there and, and get eyeballs on it. Uh, in September of 2016, I was actually just looking back. We launched on Beta List, which is a early uh, early adopter sort of product focused site, and launched shipped on there to a fairly small audience, but just to kind of see the traction. Uh, and then, as soon as we saw that signal that people were getting excited about this idea and the potential for it, uh, even though at the time the product was buggy and, and not probably something that we were, uh, you know, something that needed needed a lot of work still. But we had that signal. And I think proving that to yourself over and over again is really important in the early days. So we did that. And then we thought, hey, there is a signal. Let's gear up to a, an even bigger launch and something that we can really set, it, set as our own internal deadline. So we got ready for a product hunt launch, much bigger audience much more visibility and really like, you know, scientifically worked back on a schedule to launch there. And that really, I think, activated the team and the excitement around it and forced us to sort of get our ducks in the in a row 
faster than faster than probably was comfortable um, and then launch on there and see what the full the full reception was and then even from there I think we we spent even a full year after that really iterating and pushing something out whether it was the product itself or just a single feature or an idea and then pulling back and saying okay this is worth investing more in when you think about the y combinator type approach when they say when you're a startup at an early stage the two things you really want to be doing are building your product and talking to your users was that a big part of the stage of your growth of the company yeah absolutely i think and still to this day actually the last few weeks i've spent really talking to customers uh, spending at least a uh, a third or half of my day talking to customers. And so I think that's a continuous thing in any startup. But in the early days, it's super important. And and I guess the, the first thing is just getting people to use your product, getting out there and figuring out who your audience is. Um, and then as soon as you see that you have some traction and you have some excitement and people talking about you, you get conversations going like them and figure out why they found you and what got them excited just to make sure that you're you're aligned with that and that the vision that you have is what other people want to see too. And then, it, then it's, I think, finding, uh, striking a balance between those two things. Let's touch on product market fit for a minute. When we work with early stage company at Queen's, the product market fit is always the holy grail or the big threshold uh, people are going after if they want to build a company and start getting venture financing and grow. So could you describe for us what your definition of product market fit is? And how do you know when you've achieved product market fit? Yeah, um, I think, you know, product market fit is knowing is having a product that people want and a market that's uh, big enough to serve and excited enough about that problem that you're solving with the product. I think that it it's that aha moment for customers that really sort of tells you that there is room to scale and there's and that this product is something that serves a very uh, obvious and, and acute pain point. So I think you can focus, you know, a lot of startups either focus too much on product and don't consider the market or maybe focus too much on market and, and let the, and the product sort of takes on a life of its own and goes, goes awry. So that product market fit is really that sort of sweet spot uh, between the two things. You know, I think for us approaching it very iteratively really, really helped because we could see, okay, we need a baseline version of this product. You know, the idea, it's always great to have a cool idea that gets people excited, but to actually deliver on a product and then also know that uh, and, and do your, your homework and your research on the market is a looking at like size of the market and all the obvious factors, but also testing that market out because uh, the, the behavior of the market might be slightly different than you think. In that product market balance you've described, people often refer to the concept of a flywheel. For shift, I assume you use more inbound versus outbound to drive your customer acquisition. Did you start noticing that there was a segment that ended up being scalable and repeatable so that you could set up a nice inbound sales process that started giving you uh, that much higher traction or adoption rate for users? Yeah, we really, um, I, I guess in, so 2016 was the original beta launch. 2017 was taking a lot of that feedback and focusing in on the fact that all of our, a lot of our early customers that were using the email only solution uh, of early, early shift 
start asking for integrations with all of the apps and all of the extensions that they use in the browser. So we knew we needed to build that and that and that we spent 2017 doing that. So we knew that, okay, we went from targeting people who have more than one email account, which is a massive, very broad, big market. And then we saw, okay, where are the patterns within that market? Like who are the people getting excited on these you know, on Product Hunt and, and the other places where we were putting ourselves out there as a very early version of Shift. And, and we could see these trends even just in almost conversationally in that early community of people who were uh, marketers. So agency type people, consultants, entrepreneurs, people in tech like us that were just trying new ideas all the time and, and sort of running maybe side hustles even, uh, whether in, the, in their company or outside. And so we could see this trend around that demographic and sort of job title, job industry, but it was still quite broad. And so I think, you know, it was really important, though, to basically build that that customer profile early on and think about who we were talking to and how they'd want to be talked to. And and we kind of have always joked on our on our marketing team that we're really often selling to ourselves. And so would we would this resonate with us? Is this something that gets us excited? Is this something that makes us laugh and think about our own productivity issues or pain points? And so uh, doing that, I think, has made it a, a lot of fun. My background is marketing. So I just, you know, love the creative side of that. And then and then having the sort of per- performance goals and milestones to, um, as a feedback loop on, on that creative has always been a lot of fun. But in terms of acquisition channels, uh, yes, word of mouth. I mean, when people are, are, using shift and excited about shift they're using it all day as their daily driver so it's the first app they open at the beginning of the day and the last one they close and so uh, i guess back in you know working in the office days you know someone who sits next to you or your best friend at work would see what you're working on and and then you know i think a conversation about shift always starts pretty easily but then you know really where we were able to scale fast was through uh, acquisition channels like facebook and instagram so we really nailed, you know, the campaigns around that. And then we were able to uh, basically optimize our campaigns very early on, but very iteratively again to basically see a, you know, 100% return on every dollar we spent on those paid acquisition channels. So that allowed us to scale a lot faster and prove all of our, our theories, I guess, very quickly. Walk us through how the organization has grown. And perhaps here you want to keep the financial milestones confidential, but you've gone through some fairly significant annual recurring revenue goals or milestones that most startup would want to talk about, would want to learn from you as to how you've achieved that kind of growth and going from zero customers to quite a number and then on through something would look more like a, a scale up. Yeah. So yeah, we, we definitely have. I mean, in 2018 was when we kind of had the product in a place where we were feeling really good about it. It was polished up a lot of the bugs and sort of answered a lot of the customer feedback questions with features and with values. So we felt like in, in January, 2018, you know, that was a time to start investing on the marketing front. And so we really geared up the team um, for, for this sort of exciting new phase of growth. And um, at the time I was doing all of the media buying. So it was really cool to have my finger on the pulse on the, everything that, you know, everything that we were spending as a company um, on the acquisition channels and sort of all the, the feed, the quick feedback loops, because on these, especially on, you know, Facebook and Instagram, you get really quick um, results when you, when you start to see those results. And so 
so getting the team really involved and being super transparent from day one about why we were doing that and how and um, and really leveraging the fact that we we were really selling solving our own pain point and so the the team feedback and the team input whether you're on the marketing team or or a developer was extremely valuable from day one and we really felt like it was something that we all had a huge stake in so yeah january to december we think we went from 100k to about a million in arr and then uh, and then really had this momentum and and that, and that momentum is exciting if everyone it feels like they're part of it and and that's i think something that we really got right from the early days is uh, sharing in the sharing in the wins and making it fun along the way yeah i i think about it now and you know we're 17 full-time people and we have um, a few a few part-time people as well and uh, and we really running a startup is hard and it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of people wearing many hats to really work but wearing many hats um, in a in a processed way and in a thoughtful way so that is something that I think you have to do very intentionally and that we've put a lot of focus on so that's something that I think you have to do very intentionally and that if you've put a focus on down to the details once you've got that inbound funnel coming in and they go through the process like working carefully through what the onboarding process and working out the kinks and people getting onboarded where you have uh, use of a, a land and expand type approach where somebody can get at somebody can start at some level and then once they see the value they move on up the the value chain so you've got a full set of playbooks to work through the pipeline? Yeah, yeah. So basically the way it works is someone uh, discovers us, with, you know, however that, whatever channel that is, that advertising channel, whatever. They come in, yeah, go to tryship.com, download the product, and then we really focus on hand-holding the onboarding process, uh, like you're referring to, I think, where, you know, we get you to basically tell us about, you know, your email accounts, connect all your email accounts, connect all of your apps, connect all of your extensions. Uh, customize your workstation in a way that works for you. Um, and then basically just dive into work. And then there's lots of opportunity to explore the product and customize notifications and use, we've got a unified search that helps you search across all of your mail calendar and drive accounts. So there's lots of really cool advanced features that you can take advantage of in the product and that we focus on from, you know, sort of like down, down the funnel a little bit. But, you know, our number one objective with Shift is really get get you help you get organized so you can get back to work. And that's really sort of how we've approached the onboarding process. And then of course, I think now really where our focus is done a a really efficient job of reaching individual consumers. So prosumers, I guess, would be a good category to, to speak on. But how do we get those individual consumers transitioning into full on teams? So often we see, you know, the individual at work, brings on their best buddy, moves it up uh, to their manager, gets a team account. And we have that, you know, we see that on an exciting trend line right now. Let me take us on a bit of a tangent. Uh, Hopefully this doesn't come across as an off-the-wall question, but can you tell us what might be in the water out in Victoria that makes entrepreneurs so successful? We look at your company, your parent company, Red Brick. Uh, Scott Lake is out there, first CEO of Shopify. Andrew Wilkinson, who's been called the Berkshire Hathaway of Internet Companies. Kingston and Victoria are, are similar in size, maybe not, not quite the same size. So I think you know Kingston. It's kind of heartening to see 
a region in Canada with a smaller geography getting traction. So to go back to my original question, is there something in the water in Victoria that turns people into entrepreneurs? And if so, can you share the secret? Yeah, you know what? There might be actually, because uh, we all you know we're at our doorstep like it is in Kingston. But I think Victoria is a fabulous place to live. And so people who want to be entrepreneurial about their careers or actually be entrepreneurs, um, I think we're drawn to to Victoria, obvious reasons, weather and beautiful mountains and ocean views are every at every turn. It's funny though, because I've thought a lot about the, the similarities between Kingston and Victoria, and I think they are definitely there. We've got, uh, actually, I met my partner at, at Queen's and uh, we moved out here together, but we have a, a pretty tight knit group of friends out here that all, all made their way from Kingston at some point, maybe with various stops in between out to Victoria. And it's quite interesting to see, you know, I think a lot of people come out here to, to check it out and then they get sort of, you know, they realize how great it is and how much opportunity there is to get in early, whether it's on tech, you know, in tech companies or starting their own. So it's a pretty exciting place to be. And, and just in the eight years I've been here watching uh, that growth, that growth from sort of a few, a few startups and a few companies to those companies reaching some version of maturity maybe, uh, and then, and then, co- and then employees at those companies leaving and starting, there, starting something else. So there's definitely an ecosystem and, and a lot of, a lot of stuff going on and a lot of really cool people doing, you know, big things here. It is encouraging to see a smaller geography building that kind of critical mass and maybe a message to Queens and Kingston listening to this. You don't necessarily need to move to a big center to start a company. You just need to make sure you're tackling a problem that you know, perhaps you yourself have, which is in the case of Shift, but it's encouraging to see all this activity happening outside of one of the major centers. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it is really cool. And I think, um, you know, there's, there's almost more opportunity sometimes to connect because the community is pretty tight, but I would definitely encourage, you know, Queen students to get Victoria, especially on their radar. Actually, I, I was, thinking about, you know, the Queen's alumni uh, network and, and everything. And I've started to have a few a few students reach out to me directly about Shift. And, you know, it's pretty cool. We live in a world now where, you know, you can really work from anywhere. So um, so even if you don't live in Victoria, you can, you can work for Victoria companies. So let me ask you this, and we'll make this my last question. You know, for this podcast, we are targeting undergrads, grad students, and community entrepreneurs. Can you tell us what drew you to co-founding and working and growing in a startup? What were the factors that found yourself being drawn into working in a startup environment? I think I, I get bored pr- pretty easily, and I love the challenge of building something and, and owning something and having the autonomy to do my best work, I guess, and, and not feel constrained throughout the process. So startups are excellent for that because that's actually encouraged, whether you're running the startup or co-founding the startup or um, or just part of the team where you're, it's almost expected that you just run at problems and, and that you do so with everything you've got. So I think for me, that was just, that's just part of my nature. You know, it, when I was at Queen's, I was runner on the track team and, and cross country team and so kind of went at that with all my might and and balanced that with between uh, work or school and um and athletics and traveling for it and everything like that um and i think i just i had a lot of energy coming out of university and i knew that i needed to put it somewhere where 
I would see a, a great return and feel really rewarded for my efforts. So the startup world and tech world just jumped out at me and, and sort of grabbed me. And, and here I am, I guess. Very cool. Well, Nadia, thanks so much for spending time with us. We'll continue to follow the story at Shift, but we wish you much success. And once again, we really appreciate you sharing some of the insights and the journey you've taken Shift on so far. Thanks so much, Jim. Great to talk to you. And with that, we'll conclude this episode. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, like, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're interested in learning more about research, innovation, and entrepreneurship, please see the show notes for a full list of programs and services available here at Queen's University.